can feel myself rot. The pain of being dead. I don't seem to have much of any reasoning power. Seventeen seconds. Reanimation at seventeen seconds. The eyes open. Not dead? Are you mad? I saw her die. The doctor signed a certificate. I saw them bury her. Look at the face. It's vacant with a hint of sadness. Infected with what? Rage. In the midst of a pandemic, we took a break. For Halloween, we're back from the dead. Blood and Black Rum Podcast is Welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I am Ryan from ColdSploitation.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Uh, We're pretty good. We are balls deep into the Halloween season now. We're into October, and as everybody knows, October 1st is the spooky season. Spooktober. It doesn't, st- for most people, it doesn't start until October 1st. And then it's, you know, 30 days of madness until Halloween. No, for most people, it's just 30 days of hocus pocus. <laughs> yeah. For for me, it's like 90 days of madness getting ready for it. And that's why we start our Halloween season early uh, on the podcast. We start it in September. And do eight weeks of Halloween instead. Uh, and so you're tuning in to like the middle of our reanimated season on uh, the Blood and Black Rum podcast. Where we have basically come back from a hiatus and we're covering zombie and zombie-like films for the reanimated series all Halloween long. So we've done uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. We've done Return of the Living Dead we did 28 Days Later last week, and now we're on to the namesake of, of this series, uh, the H.P. Lovecraft-inspired story, Reanimator. So Reanimator... Uh, a Ratner film. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a Brian Yesna-produced Stuart Gordon film, which is very important to, to note. Uh, with Reanimator... Honestly, we'll start off with the H.P. Lovecraft background. H.P. Lovecraft, obviously, in the 20s, very big horror writer, went on to inspire many, many people now, uh, I'm who not, were not racist. I was saying, now, I'm not, I don't really know shit all about Lovecraft. Was he really famous back then, or did he just catch on um, years later after the fact? Like, hey! Well, he did pretty well in terms of... 
like what they would call like your eerie stories of the time. Um, so was pretty popular with those types of things. I wouldn't say like like literary people were like H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, because yeah, I can <laughs> I can see like Hemingway at the time no. being like, "What's this Cthulhu bullshit?" You know. No, and even some of the mythos did not really pick up until later on, as other people started to work in the mythos and then bring those to light uh, and like expand on the on the series. Um, so I would say that yes and no. Like he definitely had some um, some interest from other people on what he was writing, and not only that. Um, but between his own stories and people that he mentored, he probably wrote more stories. He, he definitely wrote more stories than are actually attributed to his name specifically. So a lot of people would have him like ghostwrite their stories or or like edit them pretty heavily. So like they would write a story and H.P. Lovecraft would come in and be like, no, 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 no. And then and then edit it to and, and basically like write some of the rest of it to to fit the spooky story or eerie tales um, elements. And then they would still get published under the original author's name, but HP Lovecraft had quite a bit of, of uh, like work on that story. So that, that's, that's um, happened that uh, quite a few authors of the time definitely had that happen um, where they would, would go to HP Lovecraft and ask him for uh, some help with their writing. Um, so he definitely like was, he it wasn't like he was um not revered at the time he it wasn't like he was discovered later on but but certainly the extent of his his work was not discovered until uh later not appreciated until later um and then that Cthulhu mythos and and some of the other elements of his uh, universe expanded from there but we can even say that H.P. Lovecraft was not really a person that uh even came up with like I'm gonna make a mythos of my stories. He got that from other people. He got that from um, the King in Yellow, which was a, a few stories that um, Chambers wrote and had like a intrinsic element to it of people going crazy because they read this play called The King in Yellow. And so if they, the further they read in that play, the more they lose control of their faculties and then get sucked into this play. And that was, um, even that like was very, um, minor. So HP Lovecraft kind of was inspired by that and then took that and then made it much bigger in terms of his mythos. Now reanimator, or as the story is actually called Herbert West reanimator, um, that is not really in like a mythos. That is kind of like a standalone story. It has elements of um, other things that H.P. Lovecraft would go on to do. And it certainly shares some of the ideas of other stories like being set in Arkham, Massachusetts, which is not a real place, but an, an area that's kind of cursed in the in Lovecraft stories. And also the idea of taking science to an extreme of dabbling so much in the unknown that you discover too much you discover like you you've gone too far into the scientific experiments and so that's really what uh, a lot of the ideas of what lovecraft had not specific to science but just going too far uh, discovering the the outer limits of what human knowledge should be and that's really what reanimator is about and um Stuart gordon really does take that idea of the scientist going too far with reanimator and runs with it and that ending part of reanimator is really where he just goes wild like there's a this it's a 
madness at the end of the film. Um, taking that element of like the scientists kind of discovering along the way and the film is kind of like steadily leading up to that final chaotic madness scene where everything goes wild and science has really lost control of of what the discovery has turned into. So I would say that Reanimator is, while not well, very clearly not following all of H.P. Lovecraft's story, certainly does follow the main ideas of the story, uh, and then gives it like that contemporary push. So we've got a lot of we got nudity, we've got massive gore. Those things weren't really apparent in Lovecraft's story; like they weren't they weren't as heightened as we get in Reanimator. Um, so they take those ideas and then push them to the, the utter brink. And so uh, Reanimator is kind of like what we get from films like Braindead uh, and some of the trauma films of going to the extremes of gore and just really going balls to the wall um, and, and heightening that gore element. So fun times and we've kind of gone through the history of, of uh, the creation of the film um, we, I think, talked about it a little bit on previous episodes, but you've never seen, you had never <clears throat> seen Reanimator before. Um, I had seen it, but I was really late to Reanimator. Um, I'd never really seen it until like a few years ago. And then after I saw it, I was like, why haven't, you know, why, why, why did I wait so long to see this movie? It's really fun. Um, I can see why certain people think that this film is like their favorite film. It's uh, in a similar vein to something like Army of Darkness, where if you discovered it at the right time in your life, it might become like your, an ultimate favorite for you. And Army of Darkness is kind of like that for me and uh, some other people, but Reanimator could very potentially be that for other people discovering it at just the right time in their life. It doesn't have the same humor as Army of Darkness. No, it doesn't. This Army one Darkness plays, is, I would say, this one's definitely more, you know, straight, you know. Yeah. Straight, and then it has those comedy elements to it that are that pop up here and there, and more of like a dark comedy mm-hmm. to it, not not over accentuated. Whereas Army of Darkness is very accentuated, uh, very clearly meant to be comedic, even different from like Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, which I tend to find are more straight laced. Like Evil Dead, I think while people have kind of come to see it as a comedy, I don't really, I've never really no. seen it as a comedy. Evil I, Dead, I. I e- I would say Evil Dead is a straight horror film. That's how I've always seen it. And I actually, the first time that I ever saw the original Evil Dead, I was like, this is actually a pretty kind of a creepy movie. Like, uh, especially the girl coming out of the the cellar. I always thought was actually a very creepy, well-done scene. And it does not really play as comedic in the sense that we get now. Like, a lot of people mm. tend to find the series as overly comedic, and I don't see that. I think Army of Darkness changed that for the rest of the films, but um, I don't see Evil Dead as being a very comedic movie. No, Evil Dead 2 is, though, by the time, you know... It gets a little bit more into that. At the end, by the end, you know, it turns more into a horror comedy when Mm -hmm. you got, you know, Ash in the hand, like, yeah, you know, doing all that type of stuff. I, I definitely don't see the original having much comedy at all, though. Um... And Reanimator kind of plays, yeah, it it plays that um, pretty straight laced, except for uh, the various bits of like dark humor that are thrown in, mostly from Jeffrey Combs as um, Herbert West, 
who kind of gives a very, um, I don't know, like a, it's like a nerdy scientific performance that occasionally sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could be very, very well could be where it occasionally wanders into almost like the autism spectrum of him not knowing how to react to certain things. Like, um, he's not charming like Goldblum and the flies, like, you know, you're. Or like your, you know, eccentric mad scientist, mm. but who's charismatic? He is just, like I said, dedicated to a level, of, you know, sociopath. Yeah. Where you know nothing else matters, and yep, focused on his work, and, and he's that's pretty much incre- it. Yeah, incredibly socially awkward. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about those in a little bit, and like those those interactions. Um, let's uh, let's take a break from our intro to the film, though, and talk about the beer that we had on the show today. Uh, which is sure to melt underwear and uh, cause some drippings <laughs> because we're talking about Deer Slayer beer. <laughs> uh, Deer Slayer. Did you cue the beer music? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, God let me get that, damn it. Let me get that going. Sorry. All right. Do, we're good do, now. We, now, we can talk, now we can talk about it. <laughs> so, so Everybody is so wet now because Zombies Ate My Neighbor's theme is going. I am. I know that. That's right. You should probably wear a diaper, though. No, no. Let it go <laughs> right through. Uh, so we're talking about Deer Slayer beer, which is a. Um, I don't. I don't think that they actually sell it in any packs, right? It's not. I've only seen it in I, Tall Boys. Yeah, I think it's only available in Tall Boys right now. It's like a nineteen point <clears throat> two ounce point two ounce beer that comes in that Tall Boy can, uh, very high contrast black and yellow can. Um, and it's made by Contra Brewing. It's all the rage around here right now in our area. We have a lot of deer hunters. And so when you have the words deer slayer, uh, I think a lot of people in our area get very excited. I think it's directly like marketed to them. I don't know if um, how well it's doing on sales, but I do know from Facebook... All like the beverage centers around here, Seems restaurants popular. Are, are you know posting it. We got Deer Slayer. I know. know. I mean, it's that kind of thing in upstate New York, small town USA, where you just gotta go for it because it's gonna, just like the Bush camouf- camouflage beer cans, it's it's gonna be a seller. Then they know that. Everybody around here knows that. Say the words Deer Slayer, and you've got yourself a sale, my man. Listen, this is the description they have on Untapped. I do like it. It's brewed for folks like us, for folks like us. Those who, after a long week of work, yearn for the field or for the steam on the open road. The celebration, camaraderie of life well lived. The simple pleasure of good beers shared with good friends. I do think there's an oxymoron here. That deer slayers like good beers. I don't see it. They want beer. never the, the the local deer hunter has never been known to carry out to the field. You know, I don't think so. They want a thirty six pack of bush to be able to lug through the into their treehouse, and I don't know. I don't. I just don't see them uh, heading out grabbing a blonde ale <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, cocking their crossbow. Cocking cock cross- their crossbow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a deer hunter, so uh, that's probably not the correct terminology. Um, uh, what, what, uh, what, 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 knocking? Knocking your crossbow? 
knocking. Not your crossbow, but, yeah. but yeah, but your bow. What would you call what would what would you call the loading of a crossbow? What is that? What what terminology is that? Knocking, I guess would be good. Knocking, yeah. right? Yeah, that's what I would say. I don't know. Either way though, I don't see a lot of those people drinking a Blondale, but that's what the Deer Slayer is. It's a Blondale. Um has very like Belgian qualities to it. Nice Belgian yeast in there. Uh, Almost half a what? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, half a vizony. Not extremely heavy on the banana side of that, but nice and clovey. Yep, clove side. Um, I've I've seen a couple people refer to the lemon flavor in it. I didn't get a huge lemon flavor from it. Um, but it is I, citrusy though. It is citrusy. I don't know if I would say lemon per se, but um, I can I can see the citrus part of that. And um, very nice and light and sessionable and very drinkable. I don't know. What, what was the alcohol content? 5.9. 5.9. Okay. Yeah, so, so like uh, 6%. So in the medium side of uh, alcohol content. Um, very drinkable. Very, very sessionable. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah. It might be for like a while now my go-to uh, just af- after work, go and grab them, you know, as, you know, funnily as it is. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where you can like make a split second decision. You're in the convenience store, and you're like, "Well, I don't have any beer for tonight." You see the Deer Slayer on the rack in the Tall Boy can, and you're like, "Well, you know what? I think I might grab a couple of those." It's not, you know, like I, I don't know why this makes a difference, but it's like you're not locked into a decision. You have that for the night. You don't have, you know, a, fi- that's a why 15 I like, pack. I know that's why I like buying like Tall Boys. Yeah. It's more expensive in the long run, but you're like. What am I feeling you know, now? Right, it's like what you want right this moment. You might not want it tomorrow. Now, granted, when you go to Stewart's, you know, um, it's not like the most, the greatest varieties. So, like, so when you got your Tall Boys, you got your Bud, you got your Miller, you know, etc. But then they got like you know maybe the BFG. For, no, they don't. They don't have they're that. Gone now. They got rid of that for the hazy. Mm. Um, I don't think they make the BFD anymore. You know, BFG anymore actually. But they, actually, but they got like three different, like you know, four or five different hazy IPAs. So it's like, oh, do I want the Shiner hazy? Do I want you know the you know Sierra Nevada hazy little thing? Do I want you? Yeah, and it's kind of like, well, it's the same shit. So yeah, I like the fact that this is a blonde ale, something different, it's a little different. But, you yeah. know, you don't normally get that in a in a uh, tall boy. It's interesting. Don't get it that often. Period. Yeah. And I, I do believe that this is uh, canned by Amagang. It's either canned or just distributed or something. Because uh, Contra is also from Cooperstown, New York. Uh, just like Amagang. And I know for a fact that Amagang has it on uh, premises. So I'm not sure if they're canning it themselves or, or what. But it's um, definitely linked to Amagang in some way. Either promotion or whatever. So, interesting. Um... I definitely recommend it. If you get it out your way, check it out. It's it's only a tall boy can, like two dollar two sixty nine a can, something like that. So check it out. You can't really go wrong by just you know grabbing it one time and hoping Steve for the best. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you like Blondales. Very good. Turn off my zombies. All right. Let's get into Reanimator. Reanimator. Um, they reanimated the theme from Psycho. They did. Which we reanimated again for our podcast, and it keeps getting copyright protected. 
or copyright was, strikes, I which I find very you know, interesting. Humorous. Exactly. Because Richard Band basically stole the entire theme of Psycho and then thought, why not add some 80s elements? Like, let's give it a drum, you know, a, a synth drum beat. And let's add like a bassoon to it. You know, that's, that's what Psycho needs. Is, yeah, like a little uh, almost carnival-esque tone to it. Don't get me wrong. I do love the reanimator theme. I think it is very fun. Uh, it's anything that incorporates like the xylophone is a. I'm gonna be. A it's fan like of. an ultimate dithering song, and that's probably why you like <laughs> yeah, you, like yeah. you love it so much. It's like just dithers and zithers about. Like. Yep, yeah, that's right. But I do find it interesting that we're getting copyright striked for using it, and it's literally a copy of a copy. You know, it's 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 not like it's just it's just funny that Psycho was was really the basically stolen for the, for this theme. It, it's it's not even like this theme is subtly using the psycho theme. It's very, very apparent, especially in those scenes where there's not the extra instrumentation or the um, drum machine. And it's just basically the, this uh, symphonic score of psycho. Very apparent. There's no way that no one uh, didn't know they were stealing psycho, but uh, anyway, so reanimator cult classic, very fun film. Um, Jeffrey Combs plays the uh, lead character, who is Herbert West, our uh, doctor. Well, uh, uh, a medical student. medical student, really. He's not a doctor, although the film really tends to act like he is, especially in the beginning part of the scene where uh, the of the film where there's a scene he meets the new, the doctors that are going to be teaching him at his medical school, and then he confronts them and basically tells them. Uh, Their work sucks. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Hill specifically, that his work has basically been debunked by another doctor and that he his, <clears throat> it's very outdated. And I love that because it almost like there's that whole, um, uh, I don't know, like there's a uh, conflict between them already that begins. And really, Herbert West doesn't really have a leg to stand on because he's not a doctor yet. I know. And wouldn't yet, you be like, what a presumptuous little shit, you know? Like, yeah, like, oh, yes, welcome, you know. Welcome, welcome, son, to our medical facility where, you know, you'll be learning more. Yeah, your work's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In much more flowery <laughs> language, of of course, uh, for coming from Herbert West. Mm-hmm. But um, I do love that because it does immediately set that conflict, especially like when you're you're just thinking about, wow, this guy's not even a doctor yet, and he's confronting this other doctor that's going to be his teacher about his work. It's great. It's great. You know what the best part is? It opens up with before that he's in Zurich, Switzerland, as all good Lovecraft stories start in Switzerland. <laughs> he's in Switzerland, yeah. You know who his uh, the doctor was that he was Doctor Gruber. You know what his first name was? I don't know. Hans. Was it really Hans? Is it really Hans? What little did we know that the Hans. reanimator <laughs> the reanimator reagent would turn him over time into a young strapping Alan really and he would go off to Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah. So apparently from reanimator they figured out the actual reagent and how to contain it so that they could become Sentient Hans Gruber fire. For, yeah. uh, from Die Hard. 
That's great. I, I didn't realize that. Until I didn't realize that. It was, it was Doctor Gruber, but like when the one like nurse lady or whatever speaks, she's like Hans, 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 Hans. No, I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't catch that. I guess, but that is that is funny. That it. That nice, Alan Rickman. Hans. Just yeah. you know. R.I.P. If I could bring him back with a reagent, I would. I, well, I think the lesson we learned from this film: you don't want to do that. That's right. That's right. It's just injecting ecto cooler into people. It kind of sucks they don't talk about what the reagent is. They like, don't oh. give any any indication of what. So the what is, is it? Like, is it some secret? Oh, it's just like some sit all spice and like you know. It's what would become Gatorade lemon lime. <laughs> no wonder you're it's feeling, so bright. It's, you're feeling you know, energetic. It's Gatorade. It's so ridiculously like. I know. I love it. I I do. I can't remember. I've watched like special features on the film, and I can't remember what they used. For the reagent, like to to get it that very like piss like I've had, I've <laughs> had. So, um, you ate a lot of asparagus and. Yeah. Uh, there's a what's that? There's a drug that that can make your uh, piss like highlighter yellow or orange. Uh, it's kind of like that peridium. It is, and it's probably that's that's what I think <laughs> of when I see that like somebody just had peridium and they're like, "Oh, I'm pissing highlighter." <laughs> Um, no. Yeah, but I, I am uh, curious what they used were because uh, one of the one of the scenes that I think is really cool is the final scene where he's going to inject Barbara Crampton, and it fades out, and yet you the, see the you see the serum that kind of injects, and that's kind of a cool little effect. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely an effect that they've um, edited in, so they have the serum, and then it, it fades out, and then you have like a, a animated version of the serum that's still there. But I think it's cool anyway. I'm not really sure what they used for it, but I would be interested to know, like, exactly what it was because it is a cool little... Not only that, I'm just curious on the basis within the film's logic what it was because he has so fucking much of it. Like, what yeah, lab was he it. in before, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, just pumping that, you know, reagent shit out. Yeah, it know? is um, interesting because it's like, well, where did he get this idea from? Like, how could he... Unless it was something that was fairly... um easily obtained like how would he even get this idea to try it as a reagent whereas no one else has thought of it before maybe no one has been crazy enough like herbert west to, to attempt it but uh why was he the first person really that was able to figure out this reagent like what what exactly is it i'm gonna guess it's antifreeze just about well, yeah it looks... kind of looks like antifreeze yeah and, uh yeah antifreeze is very potently poisonous as well so maybe it has the opposite <laughs> effect when paired with something else to just have him halfway through the film as he's injecting somebody back. This is brought to you by Presto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing that I like about that opening scene with Herbert West where, when he's meeting the doctor is uh, they have like a little surgical um, uh, seminar going on with the Dr. Hill and he's doing a like brain trepanning. And um, he basically – you see Herbert West, he's, like, taking notes. It's like, so Herbert West knows all of this information about, like, how to reanimate people and how to do this in, this stuff, but he doesn't know how to perform a trepanning. Like, that seems like a very easy thing for him to know if he's, like, this very studied person in the medical community. But um, I do like that whole scene sequence between him and... Dr. Well, no, Hill as well. Well, not only that, though, but so what is Dr. Hill's, like, what kind of speciality does he have? Is he a neurologist? Is he a mortician? 
I guess he's um I guess he's a neurologist because uh there's a, there's a dinner sequence where uh they said that he just won an award for his uh, little cranium laser. Yeah, and yeah. he was uh he was going to be uh getting a laser brain uh drill and they said that it was going to um change the field of neurology. So I'm assuming he's a neurologist and doing like seminars on how to you know examine the human brain and um cadavers because you're not probably at that point they're not going to be doing like live surgeries but well not only that though too because when we get later in the film he's lobotomizing them (laughs) it's like this has been on style for almost 30 years but you brought back a no safer better way to lobotomize patients yeah congratulations yeah i think that's really um, we really were getting sick of trying to figure out how to deal with them otherwise you know just the film is interesting because it doesn't um, – for the most part, it's bringing up how crazy Herbert West is. Herbert West wanting to reanimate uh, people. And yet Dr. Hill is really the one that's doing a lot of the damage to real live people because he is the one that wants to do all of these lobotomizations that are leaving people brain dead. And so he also has that sort of uh, scientific um, – drive to experiment with the unknown and so there's two doctors here that are really kind of going off the deep end with what they're doing um herbert west obviously reanimating dead people which is not working out so well and then dr hill who's doing the lobotomies which um now aren't really that uh widely received you know most of the time taking away uh people's faculties not really the greatest approach to uh, treating their condition, uh, which is basically what Dr. Hill seems to want to turn to at every time. Even even when they don't know what's wrong with um, with uh, uh, the dean, Dean Halsey, uh, basically they're just like, well, we'll try to lobotomize him. I don't know. We'll do a little exploratory. Yeah, I do like how they call it exploratory surgery. It's just like, we'll just poke around in there and just see what's going on. And... Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Will he get better? I don't know, but we'll know, you know, what happened to him. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fun film with all of that stuff. Um, obviously like tongue in cheek, but at the same time, it does take its medical stuff pretty seriously. Like that, um, the whole, that opening surgery scene is pretty good and pretty realistic, especially with the uh, special effects with the brain effects. Um, looks pretty good. The trep, like compare that to like saw, which also has a live trepanning scene, uh, saw three, right. Uh, and this one is pretty interesting with the way that it realistically displays how you would do that. Um, I think it does a pretty good job with that, with the gore effects, uh, trying to match medical specificity. Um, so those are really interesting elements to the film. Um, then you have uh, the Herbert, whole Herbert West moving in with um, uh, the Dan. other main character, Dan Kane, played by Bruce Abbott. Uh, and you have that whole cat sequence uh, where, you know, his cat, Rufus, That's goes r- missing. <clears throat> oh, I thought you were talking about the other cat sequence. Which one? The one where he's slaying some. Oh, no, not the... Wham! Not that one. That's, that that was a great transition too. They're like, oh hi honey, hi. Then boom, oh, you just see him, you know, fucking like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's great. She's saying no, 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 and then saying yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, uh, That Bruce Abbott can really give it. That's what you you take away from that scene. Mm -hmm. That, and he's an idiot. Who names a cat Rufus? Rufus. That's an awful name. It's an awful name for any pet. But the Rufus sequence of him being in the fridge gives us, like, one of the best lines in the film where they're questioning Herbert West. Why didn't you tell us that the cat was dead if you found him dead? And he says... (laughs) Uh, you know, what What do you want a note that says uh, cat dead that, details later? Uh, that is, is that, that is a great line. It is one of the best in there because it is like that, what you said about the sociopathic qualities of Herbert West where he doesn't really know how to uh, have that conversation with people. Um, you know. But it is, a, it's such a great line though because I mean, it does, does bring up a point like you could have called or left a note. He's like, oh, he wanted a note left? Like, Dan, cat dad details, like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Your cat's dead. Uh I I do it's it's a funny sequence and it all it does show again like that um level of socio sociopathy that uh Herbert West has. He just doesn't know how to talk to people and that really <laughs> really comes out in that scene. Well that whole scene is to you know, just him be like, What are you doing in my room? Like yeah. get out of my room, yo. Yeah, that's like the main idea. And then then when they discover the cat and I do like too that um, they never bring up because even in in um, Herbert West's notes he says that he's been killing rabbits and cats and, and guinea bird pigs and guinea pigs and they never bring up the fact that he probably lied about finding Rufus dead with his head stuck in a jar from the garbage. Um, I know what a stupid thing! Like, oh, you didn't think to like break the jar? Or yeah, something? yeah. yeah they, they never bring that up again. Like, just that. sat there and watched him suffocate. Like, oh yeah, his. As head in a plastic jar, you know, it was an enchanting. I watched him. He struggled for quite a while. Yeah. Little, what a champ, but, you yeah. Know, yeah. They never bring that up again, like, that Herbert West probably killed that cat. And, and you know, and, and then put his body in the fridge. They never bring that up, which I thought was interesting. So, Dan and Herbert, they kind of go along together. And I guess, would you as well, if you all of a sudden encountered a cat that was alive in your basement that used to be dead previously, would you also be in on this scheme? No. No, you wouldn't <laughs> get along with it? No. Because that's what Dan does, basically. Like, throughout the film... I know, but, like, he doesn't, like... It just, like, you know, strikes me as, like, they're more fascinated with the fact that it's reanimated than the fact, like... I mean, that was a yeah. very calm, mild cat. All of a sudden, he's acting like he's got fucking rabies, you know? Yeah. And the same thing when it comes to, like, all the other things that reanimate. Like, yeah, it's moving! Don't mind the blood squirting out of his eyes and, you know, his mouth. Yeah, you know? that's kind of a theme in here, and especially, like, with the cat where he's talking about bringing it back, but it's got a broken back, so it's not going to be doing any, you know, it's not going to be... It's not going to be violent. Yeah. So, like, they, yeah, he doesn't really seem to care, and even when the cat comes back and he's, like, making that screaming noise, and Dan asks why does it do that, he just says birth is painful no matter what. And so, yeah, Herbert West does have that sociopathic, because he doesn't care about what happens to the subject when he's bringing it back. He just cares that he's able to do it. It almost makes you think maybe maybe he's been reanimated. Oh. He's, you know, he's like practically lost all his faculties. Yeah, has he been reanimated to the point where maybe he was not that far gone and they reanimated him and now Mr. he's come Gruber, back to Mr. Gruber, who, you know, he learned his work from. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the film shows the other side of using this reanimation tool too at the end of the movie when it's uh kind of used as a weapon against them as well because um dr hill who's been brought back to life and is sort of like the 
uh, ringleader of the undead has used the serum on other people in the morgue to bring them back to life as well. And he knows how to make them into like his zombie slaves because he's been able to laser uh drill their their brain so they basically are all lobotomized and they they don't do anything besides what he says so you have like the army of people who have been used on the, the reagents been used on and they can do uh dr hill's bidding and then herbert west can't control them at all um an interesting dynamic between the two of like what this reagent can do um all right we haven't talked about um Barbara Crampton, who is a scream queen in pretty much all rights. Uh, Reanimator was one of her biggest films. Uh, what do you think of Barbara Crampton, who plays Megan in this movie? She's good. <laughs> she, she, she don't have anything else to say. I mean, obviously of, one of her... I say a lot of boobage. Yeah, obviously one of her attributes for Reanimator is the nudity that she displays and Good, good for her for being like, yeah, I'll let this, you know, guy off camera grope my boobies, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whose idea was like, you know, like to put that into the script? Like, yeah, my dead, but severed head's gonna be looking at you lustfully, and my reanimated body, body's gonna be grabbing your nude body, and I'm about to go down on you with my, you know, severed head. And not only that, but like the other element to it too is that her dad is facilitating it. Her, yeah, her you know her lobotomized father's father like, yeah. is is facilitating it. It's sort of like a very taboo um, moment in the movie. <laughs> that's, that's the taboo part. Yeah, that's the ta- not not all the other stuff. That's the, you know. I mean, I like it though. I think it goes the distance. You know, as a film. Well, at least has, it, com- it commits. It commits. But commits. Like, but again, like but like for what? <laughs> It's, a dem- it's just a demented moment in the movie that has always been um, one of those things that you talk about. The you know that 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 scene comes up with the severed head going down on a woman. Obviously, we don't see that on screen. That's for a, a different. That's for the horror pornos to do. Uh, you know the. <laughs> well, it gets interrupted at that point. Like it's about to happen, but then yeah, you know Dan comes heroically bursting through. My point is just more like. So, like, they're writing the scene out and, like, explaining it to her. And she's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just Good for her, really. I mean, it certainly helped her career. She's uh, been a scream queen for years and is now writing for Fangoria. So, as a, she's got a column on, in Fangoria. Oh. And uh, has done very well on the festival circuit. And, you know, Reanimator, obviously, is one of her... Uh, fans' biggest your her 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 work that fans know her very well for. So it's been a a blessing for her for sure, and a blessing for viewers as well to get to see <laughs> experience that that moment in film history. <laughs> I don't think it's really been done to that extent again. It's a very unique moment to reanimate her, and as you said. It's it's definitely in H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's original story as well. That's <laughs> it's definitely in there. The uh, they would have burned him at the stake, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. That's definitely in there. Um, so can, we, can I say that Doctor Hill also he looks like John Kerry? 
Yeah. Just like throughout the film watching him yeah, around. Kinda, he looks yeah. like kinda looks like John Kerry with a toupee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh I think that uh he does a very good job as Dr. Hill because he has that sort of um at first you just think he's like a regular doctor, and then as you go through the film you see like the more uh <clears throat> villainous side to him. And it continues as he's like talking to uh Megan and just like, you know, if you need anything after your father, I know they're, they're just looking at her father after yeah. being reanimated, you know, in a straight jacket, in a straight jacket. And, yeah. and he's like, yeah, I'm going to do frontal exploratory. And by the way, if you need anything, I know you're alone now. Yeah. You just, <laughs> you give me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only uh 40 years older than you, but you give me a call. You let me know. Um, yeah, I do like that because the film is kind of populated with people who, um, scumbags, right? They should be better than they are. When you think of doctors, you think, oh, they're the best of the best. They're the people that are, you know, trying to help you, trying to trying to make sure that you 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 feel better. And then you have the doctors in the film who really aren't and are very very focused on doing terrible things. And so I think that's an interesting element to Reanimator and how science can go awry, and you can initially start out with a noble cause and then quickly uh, go in the wrong direction. And I think that's what really what reanimator is about, you know, having that idea and then going in the wrong direction with it. Which is why, as they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions because Dan, for all intents and purposes, should not be, Wrapped up into this bullshit. Right, right. Well, because we get to see his first, you know, scene is him in a quasi-ER, you know, it's not real, I mean, it's supposed to be, but it doesn't really look like it, of him and the staff trying to save somebody, yep. and he's, as every, all the other doctors gave up, he's still tirelessly trying to revive this person, and the doctor's gotta be like, they're dead, stop. Yeah. You gotta know when... Yeah, it's that you gotta know when to stop. That driven, that drive to keep people alive, and and I do think that what you know, the film is sort of a comedy. It's got that black comedy element to it, and it's it does play its horror um, fairly straight. The ending is um, actually pretty straightforwardly um, kind of like a, trying to be emotionally compelling as as he's bringing uh, Megan into this. Hot ER basically, Same room. trying yeah trying to save her. Uh, it's kind of a compelling scene that uh, strips away most of the comedy aspects of it and goes straight for the you know the emotional impact of. Scene. Really, I think it's kind of co- comedic because he ends up injecting her with the reagent, kind of starts playing the the theme, and it's <laughs> kind of like here we go again. Well, I think know? that is um <laughs> I think that's meant to be true for one thing, but I also think that it's. Show trying to say, like, this is why this could happen. You know, this is the the noble element that could cause you to try to do this thing. No, I agree. It's not meant to be comedic, but that's I, I'm yeah. saying it does come off, especially 35 years after the fact. It's kind of comedic because not only that, I mean, the reanimator theme is just so goddamn goofy to begin with. <laughs> A great goofy, but, you know, yeah. just have him injecting her again. It kind of, when it kicks up, it's kind of like, uh-oh. Here we go again. 
Yeah, I, I like it, though. I like that ending. I like the fact that it kind of ends on a downer note, and then you know, oh, shit, more shit's happening. <laughs> um, I do also like it towards the end of the film. I think that the end of the film is really great. Sometimes you have films that don't know when to end. They, like, play, they have their final sequence play out over 20 minutes, and that's way too long. Reanimator doesn't have that. It kind of goes into chaos mode at the end of the film for like the last 10 minutes and it really just goes nuts. You know, it's got tons of naked morgue bodies. It's got ridiculous effects like um, the skin flaps, you yeah, know, skin like from the burns of the yeah, person. It's got a ridiculous time where uh, intestines shoot out of a guy's torso and wrap around uh, Herbert West I, for that, no reason really. That part is funny though because like what are you doing? Overdose! Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just goes... In. You know, and it tur- turns the, you know, Hill's body into fucking a, a Cthulhu monster, essentially. Yeah. Like, the way it kind of looks, it does kind of look like, like, all of a sudden Cthulhu's gonna come, like, drag you off to hell, and, you know. Yeah, it just, the, the ending just goes completely nuts. And I like that as well. Um, and I think that the ending does a really good job of, like, getting in and out. You don't need an extended 20-minute stalking sequence of, to, to have that conclusion. <laughs> um, it's very, very quick and fast-paced and, and crazy, and I think it works really well at the end of the movie. Um, so I think they did a really good job with that to just make sure that all of the ideas were presented and it just goes wild um, to have like that last bit of fun. What did you think of the the gore effects in this film? Um, you know, because you have more realistic surgical elements. You have some crazy, like, cadaver effects. Uh, they're all on display. I'd say pretty good for the budget they had. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, definitely, you know, when you're talking about the cutting, you know, the surgery of cutting open the head, you know, to get to the brain. That was really cool. Um when they overdosed, you know, Hill's body, that was really cool. Not the greatest effect, but it was really cool because it kind of reminded me of the thing, you know, when we get to see it finally walking around and shit and Carpenters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought I thought the effects were all pretty, you know, pretty good overall, you know, very... Uh, Hill's head, you know, they shot yeah. that perfectly yeah. well. So when he's not talking or anything, we see, like, a full shot of the head, but when he's talking, they made sure to cut it so you can tell, you know, it's actually the actor's head that they're manipulating to look like, you know, mocked up to be, you know, destroyed. So, I, you know, I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I think that the one of the best elements is making sure that they had Hill, um, they, they had his actual head in certain shots, and then they have the profile shot of it, so you can't really tell that it's a... Prosthetic. A, yeah, yeah, a prosthetic. And then uh, the one where they're uh, having Hill's head slide down Barbara Crampton's body is is done really well as well because it's uh, shot from like him being angled from off screen, so it looks like the someone the, his mm-hmm. body is holding his head. Um, they did really well with that. I think uh, it makes me laugh, and I I don't think they did a bad job with it. But when Hill's body is actually holding his head uh, at the torso uh, level, the, it makes me completely. think of like somebody's. Uh, headless horseman costume <laughs> you know where they do that with the costume yeah. where they have the you know the they're pump, holding their head yeah. that's exactly what it makes me think of uh i wouldn't say they did a bad job with it it, it just makes me laugh whenever i see it because it's it's just so goofy looking 
Um, but I, I, I still think that it's it. They did a good job. Um, there's no other way really to do that uh, besides how they did it. But I, I think it's it lo- always looks funny to me. Um, yeah, so I, I think they did a really good job with the effects that they had too. The one that uh, that uh, I think is probably the weakest is when they have the dead cat. The dead cat that's sitting on the table yeah. with the broken back yeah. is very clearly like a a puppet cat. Uh, I don't. I think that's kind of intentional, though. I don't think they were really going for uh, make this cat look really realistic. It's more of a a goof or a gag than than anything else. So uh, I think they did a really really good job with the with the gore effects, and it's one of those movies that you go to for the gore effects. Um, let's see what else did we talk about. Um, Anything else that you got that uh, that we didn't cover yet? You can think of. Not that I'm, I'm trying to bring up some some other stuff. Um, you know, I think that they they uh, did a pretty good job sticking to H, like we said, H.P. Lovecraft storyline, um, and then they went a little bit further with it. Um, but it still has that whole scientific aspect of which. Oh, so speaking of that, maybe did thing. Zombie film or Frankenstein film. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it has the zombie elements uh, specific to Dr. Hill reanimating the people and almost like a, what we're going to cover, white zombie, uh, almost of like that level of Hill reanimating uh, bodies so that he can use them for his bidding. That's kind of like white zombie of the voodoo element of, of that. Uh, so you have that zombie element and then you also have the Frankensteinian element of... Um, you know, working on a body, bringing them back to life. I would not say that you have the whole Prometheus aspect of it, like actually building a body. Um, that's not here for the Frankenstein uh, storyline, but I would say that it has the same ideas as Frankenstein of uh, reanimation and, you know, the, it's alive, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, so, Herbert so- West is very much a... Uh- much more sociopathic, Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. think that they were going a little bit for Frankenstein for Doctor Frankenstein in Herbert West, um, but yeah, it definitely takes it to a whole other level than what you see in. Uh, it's the a original. nice, nice blending of ideas, taking like the Frankenstein, you know, idea and story, and kind of combining it into a modern zombie take. You know? Yeah, yeah, and this film too is interesting because you. I, they technically are zombies. They're undead coming back to life, but you don't normally, you don't really think of them as such. Um, no, because they don't spread anything, you know. Yeah. They're more just like an- Hulk, literally strong animated. Hulk, you know, strong hulking reanimated dead, you know. And you have to wonder like what they're, what, it, what is the uh, reanimated's intention? Because some of them do kind of understand what's going on. Like when, um, Dean Halsey comes back to life. He does have a couple of um, faculties about him that he like. He knows Megan, even after being lobotomized, he knows Megan. And so, what is the when the when the dead come back to life? Like, what is their ultimate goal? I think that more that goes into the idea of when West was talking about like the time period between death. Mm-hmm. If they're fresh. They're basically, you know, re, you know, re-stimulating their, you know, their, their, yeah, their brain stem, which controls, you know, basic functions like, you know, movement and breathing and heartbeat and stuff. So if you're still freshly dead and you get reanimated, you might still have some frontal 
power going on where you can have some sort of consciousness. Because mm-hmm. as we see, the body that was dead for quite a while, when they go and reanimate it, it has no cognitive awareness or ability. It's just uh, awake, uh, pissed off. <laughs> yeah. You know, It really doesn't zombie. have anything besides yeah. like, anger. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, it. that's pretty much it. So... I think that's what it's getting at, you yeah. know, like the longer you've been dead, the more based if you get reanimated, your reanimation is going to be and if you're alive. Because we see with Hill, as soon as he gets reanimated, as West is asking him, what's he saying? He's like, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And then he's able to go on his evil genius plan because he was just freshly reanimated. Very fresh. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting zombie take on that because you don't really get that from most zombie films uh anything else we didn't cover that you want to you want to go over before we wrap things up that's all i got all right i think we i think we did we did pretty well with with everything that we've you know we've got it's a very comedic film and uh but not like extremely like excessive in the comedy more of a more of horror with dark comedy elements peppered in. All right, so on a scale of, uh, let's see, one to ten. Well, we got it. We got to do it. We're on a scale of one to ten, muff diving heads. <laughs> what would you give, uh, Reanimator? I will give H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. <laughs> A eight out of ten muff diving heads, severed heads. It's fun, you know. It's only an hour and twenty eight minutes. It's a fun, fast paced film. Got a lot of great ideas. The gore in it is very good for the most part. Um, Jeffrey Coombs, is it right? Coombs, yeah. Coombs, okay. He does a very good job as Herbert West playing the sociopath, the guy that plays Doctor Hill, the John Kerry lookalike. It's you know <laughs> such a yeah. Such a yeah, delight, David, too, yeah. as he goes on. You know, it's a very fun film. You know, I'm kind of sad that I haven't gotten to see this in my youth where I'd be even more enthralled with yeah, it, you know. Because yeah. you're right. I do see how you could say it's like an army of darkness where if you kind of see it at the right time, it could become something big for you. Yep. You know, great. I, I think now, because this isn't like a film that's widely available, after watching it, I can see why it was never on fucking Spike or AMC or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's probably something that is just gonna have to get passed down from like horror fan to horror fan. Like, oh, you, you ever wonder what a a muff diving zombie looks like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would give this. Um, I would probably give it an eight and a half out of ten. I really enjoy the movie, and like I said, I haven't had as much experience with it um, in my past as some of the other films that we've covered, but. Um, I think it's really a really fun movie. Has a lot of great themes to it that uh, resonate from the original H.P. Lovecraft story, and then they go even further with it. Um, Barbara Crampton is lovely in it, um, <laughs> and you have a lot of really good gore effects that uh, they do very well. I think the black comedy elements to it work, um, and so they're 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 sporadically peppered within, so you're not getting them um, all the time, but you're definitely getting that whole. Th- uh, vibe of a little bit of of dark comedy within the uh, the horror elements where where horror is obviously first, but then comedy is 
just underneath. Uh, Jeffrey Combs does a very good job, and I think that uh, the ending of the film is one of its uh, one of the best. Um, very well paced. Um, just kind of goes crazy at the at, towards the end, and and you it loses all control, and then kind of comes back uh, to a, an emotionally compelling ending where um, Megan dies, and they have to uh, try to save her, and that that's that's a very good. Uh, circ- circular moment where they come back to why somebody might um, try to figure out this reagent and bring uh, people back to life after death. So very fun. All right. Thank you for listening to our reanimator episode. Um, we are still continuing to cover re- uh, our reanimated se- season for uh, Halloween. So we're going to do a few more episodes as we get into the season. Um, I can't remember what's next week, but I believe it's uh, train to Busan train to Busan. Yeah. And that one is one that I have not seen and I don't think you've seen it either. No. Uh, I'm very interested in seeing that one because it had, it did very well a few years ago when it came out. So interested in seeing what that one has to, to offer for zombie films. Those goddamn Koreans are just making such, uh, such intri- waves in cinema. That's right. Uh, so thank you for listening. We hope to see you back next time for our episode on Train to Busan. You can find us on pretty much any podcasting app that you use. We're on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Podcast, whatever you use, we're on it. So uh, subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review. That really helps us out. Uh, we are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. Uh, we have a, an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to donate to us, we do have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. Anything that you can uh, donate is very helpful for us. Um, whatever you can give, thank you very much for that. It helps us keep going. So we hope to see you back for our next reanimated special. And until then, have a great Halloween. Take care.